This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to our second mini-sode for Based on a True Crime. My name is Chelsea, and I love true crime. And my name is David, and I love horror movies. both feeling a little burnt out from our long and depressing episode on John Christie last week. So we decided to um, grace you all with a mini-sode this week. So we're going to be talking about the um, 2017 movie Awakening the Zodiac. I will start with a little background, but I'm not going to go into nearly as much detail as we will on our future episode about the Zodiac, where we're definitely going to watch or uh, rewatch the 2007 Zodiac movie that we both love so much, um, the David Fincher film. What I kind of want to talk about to start with is, um, yes, yeah, some brief background information and um, just a little speculation between the two of us about um, why the Zodiac has become such a uh, prominent figure. To start with, if there's anyone out there who does not know about the Zodiac, so the Zodiac is a serial killer, an unknown, uncaught serial killer who was active in the um, late 60s and early 70s. Uh, the late 60s and early 70s he has been confirmed to have killed five people between December of 1968 and October of 1969 but it is speculated that he has killed between 20 and 28 people and he himself claims to have killed 37 people so he's gonna say I yeah I had the highest uh, amount of murders right Yeah, and I don't even know if we should get into that now because um, David can vouch for my reaction at the um, the promotional, uh, well, the I guess the trailers for Awakening the Zodiac, where they say he is the deadliest serial killer and the most murderous serial killer because he killed thirty seven (laughs) people. Yeah, but that's marketing. That's to get butts in seats, right, or eyeballs on the screen to run it. Yeah, but, you know, even if he killed the number of people that he's claimed, it's not the deadliest serial killer in America. And the Zodiac killer <laughs> was Freddy Krueger. Uh, yeah, has he killed? He's definitely killed more than 37 people in all those movies. Oh, yeah, more than, more than 37. <laughs> um, Wait, 37? 37, yeah. I just want to briefly go over the dates for his his confirmed kills so the first kill was on december 20th of 1968 and he shot and killed david faraday who's 17 and betty lou jensen who was 16 um, while they were you know together in a car and then on july 4th That's 1969. He shot um, Michael Magoo and Darlene Farron. And uh, Michael actually lived. Uh, He was 19 and she was 22. And then on September 27th of 1969, he stabbed Brian Hartnell, 20, and Cecilia Shepard, 22. 
and Hartnell lived, but Cecilia Shepard died. And then his last confirmed kill was on October 11th of 1969, when he shot and killed Paul Lee Stein, who was 29. So that's less than one year for that killing spree. And he attacked seven people and killed five of them. Wow, so that's like quite a bit within a year. Yeah, that is quite a bit within a year. And to have made the headlines, right? Oh, yeah, but I think the the headlines might have been for some other reasons that we'll get into. Um, you know, that's his, his confirmed kill list. I want to touch upon maybe some of the reasons that uh, he's become such a prominent figure in our pop culture. So I wanted to go over um, specifically the um, number of kills, you know, his kind of M.O., and then getting into probably what he's best known for, which is his communications with the media. Um, as we mentioned earlier, you know, getting into his number of kills, he is confirmed to have killed five people. Police say 20 to 28. He says 37. I, I think I already told you, but so he's he's not the deadliest or most murderous serial killer in the United States. Do you remember who is, David? Uh, actually, I don't. Who no, it? it's Gary Ridgway, the oh, Green River right. Killer. Yeah. So when I was ranting to uh, to David about this earlier, I told him some spoilers for what I had in my notes. So um, Gary Ridgway, his confirmed victim count is 49. Wow. So I think, yeah, I, th- I think we could assume from that probably the number of people that he's killed is actually much higher than that. So that's like angel of death number of kills, right? I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, the high, it's the highest in the United okay. States, at least yeah. according to Wikipedia. So higher than all of at least our angel of deaths that right. we've had in the U.S. You know, not only is this higher than the number that the police think the Zodiac killed, it's higher than the number that the Zodiac even claimed. So what I'm saying is the Zodiac should really dream bigger. Yeah? No. No? Um, Please think smaller, Sarah. Yeah. Players. Everyone think dream zero. small. So, um, yeah, Gary Ridgway Ridgway is 49. Uh, Do you have a guess for who the next highest is? Oh, you're putting me on the spot. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Start naming some famous serial killers. Uh, Ed Gang. No, it's Ted Bundy. Oh, Ted Bundy. So that's 35. Yeah, you guys are all saying this guy knows nothing. Nothing. (laughs) You're not supposed to. I'm a true crime (laughs) addict. You're the movie, the movie buff. Yeah. Um, Ooh, are you saying I'm buff? Oh, totally. (laughs) So Ted Bundy, 35. John Wayne Gacy is next, 33. Ah, okay. Yep. And then just a couple other uh, famous folks. Jeffrey Dahmer, your favorite, or I guess least favorite, (laughs) is 17. Richard Ramirez is 14. And BTK is 10. Oh, wow. uh, So if you're going to ask me that, yeah. So, and these are all confirmed. If you're going to ask me, like, those out of the top five, I probably would have guessed them probably not in the right order, but... Right. I mean, they're, you know, they're the fam- they're famous for a reason. Yeah. I think, you know, a lot of these have kind of become famous because of their kill count. But obviously, you know, Zodiac is much lower than any of these. And yet he's the one that gets Awakening the Zodiac, the movie, in 2017, 50 years after his last confirmed kill. Well, it's because he years. has a logo. I mean, you know. <laughs> yes. He's very good at self-promotion. Probably better than us. <laughs> um so kind of, yeah, getting into the logos. It's a very good segue. The next thing I want to talk about, so if the body count's not a factor, could it be um, maybe his MO, his modus operandi? 
his big thing, at least for, you know, the confirmed kills, seems to be attacking couples, right? Attacking couples in their cars, couples at a lakeside, um, you know, kind of getting into a bit of that, that hook man, urban legend vibe. So he attacked three couples um, and then one, his very last kill of Paul Lee Stein, was kind of the, the outlier, yeah, the lover's lane thing. I don't know why, but every time I th- I've thought of it the last two weeks, I've thought of the opening scene of Night of the Creeps with the axe murderer who murders the, the couples on lover's lane. Yeah, I don't understand. I mean, I'm glad that that's less of a thing now, but I would never. No way. Don't you want to go neck with me in lover's lane, Chelsea? No. <laughs> um, sounds like a good way to get murdered. I wanted to bring up actually three killers that have a very similar MO and they're actually all pretty famous. Okay, who do you have? So, um the first I have is Son of Sam. So that's David Berkowitz and he killed um six people between 1976 and 1977 and often these kills were with a gun. I think he was also known as like the was it 44 caliber killer or something? I, I like the son of Sam much better personally. And he would, you know, shoot into cars at couples. They weren't always, you know, male, female couples. I guess at one point he shot into a couple that was two guys, but they think he thought that one of the guys was a girl because he had long hair. It's all complicated. But, um, you know, he did seem to be specifically targeting, you know, in a similar fashion to Zodiac. And then also kind of similar to Zodiac. So he primarily, you know, shot people, but um, there are two people that he stabbed. Yeah, similar to Zodiac, he primarily shot people, but there was the couple that he stabbed. So that close quarter is a little bit outside of his MO, but also, I mean, he's killing people, so I guess that is his MO. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't. I think at some point you just get less specific. The other serial killer that had a similar MO is the Phantom Killer, and this is one that we're definitely going to talk about in more detail because I really want to do an episode about the town that dreaded sundown. So the Phantom Killer or the Tex Arcana murders. This is another serial killer who was not caught. This is another serial killer who um, wore a mask. So similar to the Zodiac, you might have seen if you ever Googled Zodiac, which I may be done one one or two times in my day. Um, You know, he's got kind of that like black bag over his head with the glasses and the, um, the symbol, the kind of crosshair symbol on his chest. Um, so if you've ever looked into the Tex Arcana murders, it's like a really creepy, like bag head, a little Jason-esque. Yeah, it's very creepy. <laughs> um, so the Phantom Killer killed five people between February of 1946 and May of 1946. So what is that? One month? Wow. Wait, how many? Oh, no, three months. I'm a moron. Uh, five people. Okay. Wow. So he attacked three couples in cars in Lover's Lane. He was also kind of similar where he mostly shot people, but would occasionally you know, change his MO. So there was a little blunt force trauma involved. He also kind of stepped outside in terms of who was attacking and he actually killed an, an older couple while in their home. The last killer I want to talk about briefly, just in terms of the similar MO, is the Monster of Florence. So once again, this is an uncaught serial killer, and um, he actually killed eight people, and they were all double murders. Um, for all of them, he used a 22 caliber gun and a knife. They're actually all committed on new moon periods, which is kind of creepy. You know, this this is the one that kind of creeps me out more than any of the other ones because there's almost something inhuman about it. He's the only one where um, there were no survivors. 
So for the other three, including Zodiac, there were people that survived his attacks. Um, and for the monster Florence, there was not. So a true monster. <laughs> um, yes, a, a true monster. I guess what I want to get across with this is that, you know, there's not really anything special about the Zodiac's MO. About the kills themselves. About the, yeah, the Zodiac, you know, his his targets, the way he killed people. I mean, his costume was maybe a little <laughs> weirder than most. Was he, besides Gacy, one of the only ones that has sort of a, or like... <laughs> Gacy disguise. did not wear the clown outfit while killing people. Uh, oh, that's, that's a yeah. common misconception. <laughs> um, no, which, no, no. I mean, no, it would have been know, way yeah. cooler if he had. No, no, not um, cooler. I think... Um, scarier yeah <laughs> but you know so okay so the zodiac has a low body count right right he has an mo that's not entirely original and so, he has a, a lower actual i mean confirmed count than what he's he brags about yes yes which i think bragging is a big a big point here right well exactly because i want to get into now what i think and probably what most people think makes the zodiac so uh special right yeah i guess not bragging maybe taunting i don't know yes so it's um his communications with police and the media you know we were talking to my parents earlier today about if they remember anything about the zodiac or if anything really stands out to them and they were both pretty young and the, those kills occurred on the West Coast. My parents grew up in New York, so East Coast. Um, so they don't really remember anything specific. But, you know, my mom did mention, you know, it was his letters to the media was one thing that she, you know, remembered and associated with the Zodiac. If you've seen the 2007 movie, and if you haven't, watched that movie because it is so good. It's back on Netflix, so. Yes. I'm going to go watch it right now. <laughs> Pause the recording. Oh, I'm watching no. it right this <laughs> second as you're talking. Um... <laughs> So, so yeah, it's it's his communications with the police and the media. So the very first time he actually contacted the police, it was July 5th. So this was right after he attacked Michael Magoo and Darlene Farron. And he called to claim credit both for that attack and for the double murder in December. Just to kind of put things in perspective. So that that murderer, which occurred on July 4th, was seven months after the first killing in December. There were two months between that July attack and the attack in September. And then there were two weeks between that attack in September and the one in October. You know, this moment when he calls the police is really, I think, the moment he kind of picks up speed almost with his attacks. So, yeah, there seems to be sort of a desire there for the attention. Yes. And I think he, he gets a taste for it after that phone call in July. And then August 1st is when he sends his first letter to the media. So he sends it to three newspapers in um, kind of the San Francisco Bay area. And this is the um, that 408 symbol cryptogram that's included. So this is the only one of his four cryptograms that actually have been solved so you've probably heard this translated before so it's the um the letter that's i like killing people because it is so much fun Uh, i think it's also known as kind of that most dangerous game letter the most dangerous game of all (laughs) man yes exactly he claims that this cryptogram contains his identity and it is eventually solved 
And spoiler alert, it does not contain his identity. Um, It actually specifically says, I will not give you my name because he wants to keep killing people because he thinks when he kills them, they'll become his slaves in the afterlife, blah, 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 blah. The dude is crazy. This is a crazy person. Um, And one thing that really makes his um, cipher so hard to solve is that they are so full of spelling errors. (laughs) He's clearly a smart guy. I mean, he got away with murder, blatant murder, in-your-face murder, contacting police and the media murders. But was um, he smart there's enough no to way that he, he, he couldn't spell those words. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so you're yeah. saying that was part of the the game, I guess. I feel, and I've heard other people express the opinion that they were intentional to make the ciphers harder. So oh, okay. I don't know if anyone's kind of done, in like the newspapers, you know, you have those little ciphers, you, know, you look for... Um, like double letters and think about you know especially if it's from a murder so if you see two letters in a row it could be two l's where he says kill those kinds of things and i think you could make that a lot harder by throwing in a couple intentional spelling errors right okay you know, once he gets the taste for it, he he just keeps sending them. Just a flood of letters. So August 7th is another letter that has more details on his murders that were not published by the police. So this is him kind of proving his identity because after the first letter, people were questioning, you know, whether he was really the Zodiac, which actually this August 7th letter is the first time he calls himself the Zodiac. So he starts it with, Dear Editor, this is the Zodiac speaking. I mean, that's really creepy. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's really creepy. So August 8th, Uh, The day after that letter is when actually that 408 symbol cipher is um, cracked. And, you know, the Zodiac just continues to uh, mail letters and ciphers. He includes a piece of Paul Stein's bloody shirt in a letter that he mails October 14th. So three days after he kills Paul Stein and um, he starts making kind of strange demands. So in one of them, he calls and he requests F. Lee Bailey to appear on a morning television show and calls in and says he wants to meet with the lawyer. It didn't end up being F. Lee Bailey. It was like another lawyer because F. Lee Bailey couldn't go. And then the lawyer goes to meet with him and he never shows. And then he kept writing letters claiming to be involved in other murders that happened that the police said he wasn't involved with. And each letter he sent on the bottom he would sign it with the zodiac symbol. So that symbol of like the kind of crosshairs with an equal sign and a number. And this they think was his number of kills, at least that he was claiming. And next to it, it would say SFPD. So San Fran Police Department equals zero. So he continued this, you know, his last kill was October of 1969. And he kept writing these letters until January 29th of 1974. Of 74. So that's 74. Five years later. Just years. About. Years of writing letters. He wrote letters requesting that citizens of San Francisco wear um, Zodiac pins or else he was going to like kill a school bus full of children. It was just So that's one of those crazy. power plays to see how far you can manipulate the populace. Yes. Yes. And not like not with any fault to the media, because I feel like, you know, when you're threatened with the deaths of children, you want to fulfill these demands, especially because, you know, they might seem harmless just publishing a letter on the front page. But I think they were really feeding his ego. And I think they were also kind of complicit in the public perception of the Zodiac even now. So I think they are kind of the reason that, you know, we have movies like Awakening the Zodiac 
where it's he's become almost a mythological figure rather than just an uncaught serial killer. But I do want to say, so yes, I think this is the reason that the Zodiac is what he is. But he's not the only serial killer that's written letters to the media and the police. Um, okay, so... so. Who do you have that also has done the same thing? Something similar. I have quite a few. Oh, wow. Um, So actually getting into the killers with the similar MO, um, the son of Sam, he left letters at crime scenes and he also sent a letter to the Daily News. Um, One thing I really love is, well, not love, that's the wrong... uh, one thing that kind of caught my eye when I was looking into this was his very first letter. He signed, yours in murder, Mr. Monster. Um, so what I'm saying is I think that our sign off from now on should be yours in murder. <laughs> yours in moida. Yours in moida. Um, so yeah, so Son of Sam has done it. BTK, so Dennis Rader, he wrote letters. He actually wrote letters while he was active and his letter writing is the reason he was caught. He was active until 1991 and then stopped killing. And in 2005, for whatever reason, well, actually I know the reason, but I don't want to get into it. So he um, started writing letters again. And in one of his letters, he um, said that he had killed this woman that the police had not attributed to the BTK killer. So they were actually able to go and get DNA evidence from her case. And eventually they matched it to Dennis Rader's daughter once they started suspecting him and caught him because of that. Oh, so he either wanted to get caught or he was just dumb. Yeah. <laughs> no, oh, he he did not want to get caught. So he was d- dumb. He made a mistake. His ego got a little out of hand. He thought he'd get away with anything. Um, so Axeman of New Orleans, very, very famous case of you know writing letters. So he's the one that said that he will not break into your house and kill you with an axe if you play jazz music. Um, I'd be playing jazz music all yeah. the time. So you probably remember the Axeman from the season of American Horror Story. Yes. Yep. Yes. Um, so that is the Axeman of New Well, that's that's not the Axeman of New well, Orleans, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then um, finally, believe it or not, Jack the Ripper. And I'm serious about believe it or not, because some people say that it is not it, the letter was not actually written by Jack the Ripper. But, you know, there's a long storied history of serial killers, you know, taunting the police and serial killers you know, wanting to get their messages out through the media because they want to strike fear in the masses. They want to kind of exert that control. So both the Axeman with his request that people play jazz and um, the Zodiac with his request that people wear the buttons. It's all about exerting control. Those are just my Zodiac thoughts. So I think it it's a combination. I don't think he would be surrounded by this mythos if he had been caught, obviously. I don't think he would have this mythos if he had you know, not reached out so often to police and to the media. It's like he got what he wanted. Yeah. Well, I guess other than continued fame, which I guess he did get actually since we're talking about a, a movie that was just made me, about yeah. him. Yeah. Why don't we talk about the movie? Storage locker. God, another one. What? 
do we own now? I was going through those boxes and I found something. What the hell is this? It's a Zodiac. The search for the Zodiac killer has been like the search for the Holy Grail. Look where it says reward for evidence. $100,000. Booyah! All we have to do is find out who they belong to. Yeah, this could be the one we're waiting for, baby. Then let's do it. Awakening the Zodiac is a 2017 film. It recently hit VOD and all that good stuff. And I think I had heard on Bloody Disgusting or somebody where they were talking about the film and had mentioned it. And nowadays I'm on the lookout for any mention of true crime or serial killers. Really, it's like, oh, I got to tell Chelsea about this. But, you know, know, I've been living my life for years. (laughs) Years, I say. Yes, of course, like having finally seen Zodiac, I think we mentioned in a previous episode how um, you had introduced me to that film. I think uh, after we looked at the trailer, I, I was kind of neutral on it. And I know your impression is... Uh, I you thought it was going to be terrible. And I do think I was just judging it so harshly by their claim that Zodiac was the deadliest slash most murderous serial killer in u.s history specifically using those words which is just categorically untrue they're taking advantage of people who don't know that much about the history of u.s serial killers and i would do that to sell a movie you bet your bottom dollar is that a saying i would never (laughs) that is a saying right yeah bet your bottom dollar i feel like that's the same from like the 1800s (laughs) just thinking about tomorrow i was in that play when i was a kid so that may be a saying that happened that was popular during the Zodiac times in 1969. I think a little older than that. Yeah, yeah, that's probably probably so. Um, hi, Lydia. Lydia has just decided to rub up against the microphone. So if you hear some purring and a little bit of odd sounds, that's her joining us in this conversation of Waking the Zodiac. <laughs> As I had noticed in that review, talking about the leads. Going in, I was trying to figure out what the deal was with bringing the Zodiac Killer back to present day. You mentioned being pleasantly surprised by the film. Before we talk about just plot, overall impressions, just what you thought of it in general. It's a complicated question. I liked everything except for maybe the last 30 seconds of the movie. So this is kind of getting into our discussion of Lake Bodum, where I'm, I'm pretty particular about my movie endings. I don't really want to talk about it too much until we go over the plot because I feel like they would be going out of order. But Okay, well we could we could skip this part then and just start talking about the plot. It surprised me in a lot of ways in the lead up to the ending that I didn't like and it pleasantly surprised me. I think they made very good choices up until like the last 30 seconds. Yeah, okay. All right. Yeah, that's fair. And I think we were kind of joking today in the lead up to watching the movie where the poster says the deadliest serial killer in US history is back and i think that sets it up to be sort of the zodiacs like freddy krueger right like he's going to be like the major movie villain that may be supernatural or whatever not that my fingers were crossed that he would be oh your fingers are always (laughs) crossed that it's a nightmare on elm street like supernatural killer oh you said the title before i did (laughs) but fortunately because i had read you know about the the couple being the lead overall like that was really cool so um they were great they were adorable it was 
was I think they did a good job portraying a couple that actually loved each other and didn't just fight all the time and that you know really kind of shared the burden yeah no definitely so just to kind of start with the very basic premise it starts off with a couple that are struggling to make ends meet you know they're strapped for cash and an opportunity arises that may or may not be the smartest decision where there's a, a chance that you know some money could come their way it's a it's a relationship where it could have easily been you know the couple hates each other and that was they were like bickering but it's really clear that they love each other and i thought that was extremely refreshing so anyway besides the couple this opportunity arises that quickly gets them in trouble because they discover what is potentially uh film reels that were captured from a serial killer and it's pretty obvious that it is going to end up being the zodiac killer based on the footage yeah, and these, this is footage captured by the Zodiac Killer. Um, so the movie kind of starts with that first kill in December, and you see it, you know, more from the couple's point of view. And then the the first film reel that they play, it's clearly taken from the the hood of the Zodiac Killer's car. So after discovering the film reels, um, long story short, there has been a reward all of these years for evidence linking discovery of the Zodiac Killer. One hundred thousand dollars. Which I feel like in nineteen. 1960- 69 money they should have maybe expanded that because i was like i thought they would be like one million dollars i feel like it should be more too which i haven't really looked into whether that's the true reward amount but you know for someone struggling they're not gonna turn their nose up at fifty thousand dollars when they split it with their buddy harvey poor buddy harvey why poor harvey Spoiler alert, poor Harvey. <laughs> um, so it quickly becomes one of these, um, you know, they team up to try to make a bit of dough. And so they get into some trouble here and there. And the plot progresses from the discovery of the film tapes and beyond. When I was being really skeptical of the movie in the beginning, one of the first things that stood out to me was why would they not just take these film reels to the police straight off? There's at least as far as I know, no stipulation that you need to have the actual name of the Zodiac Killer to get the $100,000. It was just for evidence leading to the capture of the Zodiac Killer. I was a little... A little skeptical of that MacGuffin at first, but once I forgave it and kind of let the film get into its groove, it was not bad at all. I I enjoyed it. <laughs> no, I really enjoyed it too. And it was kind of, uh, it was cool going in because I know trying to look at it with a more skeptical eye and and keeping the actual Zodiac crimes in mind. I thought that it did a good job of building tension and also it didn't... I think the only discussion or the main discussions that we we had during the film were how old would the Zodiac have been in present day? So it was like we were like looking towards any of the older characters that popped up or like would he be too old to be able to continue his murder spree or continuing to cover up what had happened? Um, I think that was that was where like the filmmakers made a great decision because they like capitalized on that. I think they were very aware that we would be trying to do the math from '69 based on the sketch artists. Uh, what's that? What is the uh, what is that called? The drawing that they do, yeah. the police sketch. Yeah, police sketch. So he looked like you they know not not a 20 year old yeah. but like a mid 30s. 30, 35 to 45 is usually the age range discussed. I would say for their casting choice in the movie, it's they say the movie takes place in present day. So to me, I was assuming present day meant 2017 because that's when the movie came out, which would mean about 50 years after the Zodiac killing. That would put the Zodiac killer at that low range around 85. And I would say the actor looked younger than that, maybe in like his mid 70s. 
But I could forgive that. I could definitely forgive that. I was just relieved. We're not doing spoilers, right? So I was just relieved that they didn't pull the age old twist of having it be a character that you know early on and he's like revealed to be the Zodiac. I would have been really disappointed in that. But they did not do that. I think they did a good job on their buildup. They did not go over the top in terms of suddenly the Zodiac's active again and kills like eight people in the span of three days or something. <laughs> he kills two people that it was logical that he would kill these people or had to kill these people. Yeah, and it also wasn't super gory, which depending on... Three people. He killed three people. Oh, that's Oops. depending on how you like your horror movies or your true crime stories. I thought this did a great job of building dread without being extremely gory or exploitive. The kills were matter-of-fact and they were quick and a lot of the atmosphere is really just in this just the feeling that zoe and mick were getting way too far what's the right word oh, i guess they're too deep yeah <laughs> i guess it's not really getting saying. in was, over their heads yes that was the word <laughs> that was the yeah. phrase i was trying to call i got you back baby all right yes high five yeah no it's it definitely felt genuine in terms of their progression i think that it was logical for them to think this is probably someone who is dead or old to the point where they're not really a threat and they break into someone's house they were thinking that there was like a 90 something year old living there or something i don't think they were too worried about it until it was kind of too late besides like you mentioned going to the police right away i thought this could be like what would happen if you and i came into the situation and uh one of our friends <laughs> was like hey david why don't we uh split this uh what you're looking at me really funny <laughs> straight to the police i'm not an idiot come on well let's say we hadn't what if, what if i was like chelsea come on i know you really want to call the cops but this is you know this is a lot of money right like we could we could really buy some new podcast equipment with this cash <laughs> <laughs> um, if that moment ever comes, I've been training for it for most of my life. And we are calling the police. We are all staying together in one room with the doors locked. <laughs> yeah. I know. That's why you're a doctor. Yeah. Um, I think that... I don't know what the nice way to say this is. These characters seem like they're purposefully... I don't want to say that they're not smart, but I do want to say that, but I don't want to sound like I'm being mean. They have like immediate needs yeah. and they are, they're reactionary, right? Yeah. So it's like they're reacting to the situation. Their money situation is not great. And they, at least Mick has been shown to consistently make poor decisions when it comes to money opportunities, yes. right? Even though he's a hard worker because yeah. like, oh, he does odd jobs around town for people. I think but Zoe is definitely the brains behind the operation, but she seems like she can be kind of easily swayed by mixed charm, which who could blame her? I saw him in A Walk to Remember and Hubba Hubba. That was a million years ago. <laughs> it's an awful movie. Should we touch upon the ending? Yeah, let's talk about the ending real quick. It comes to a head. And of course, we meet who we assume to be the Zodiac Killer. Kind of do double duty of alternating between both Zoe and Mick being responsible for stopping him, which was also refreshing. I mean, they, they kill him. Yeah. I know, I know, I know. I was like, wait, are you going to... They, you know, they kill them together and they show a little news clip about them, you know, trying to match the DNA, that we're going to get a match between that DNA and that of the Zodiac Killer. So it kind of, it kind of sets it up that they're not getting this reward money immediately. They may or may not. Well, they're, yeah, they're still living in their trailer and Zoe is clearly shaken by the experience and then the light is flickering outside and Zoe complains about it and Mick says, I'll go fix it. And she says, no, stay. And he says, I'm going to go fix it and then I'll be back. And then he walks outside 
and the light turns off and she's calling to him and there's no answer and then it cuts to the outside and you just see a boot step down onto the grass of someone heading towards the trailer and then a quick cut of what looks like a film reel yeah they ended up giving basically a friday the 13th type ending to this movie for no reason i think that what the movie had going for it was mick and zoe you're rooting for them you're rooting for their relationship you know you want them to get the money you want them to buy a house and start their family and you're really gonna end it with there's another zodiac killer that kills them both Yeah, I think it's uh, the classic case of not just not landing the ending or sticking the ending or whatever the saying is, but a second ending that's not necessary. I feel like the tone of the movie is hopeful that Zoe and Mick are going to survive this and continue on with life for the better. Yeah, very unfortunate ending to a movie that had exceeded all of my expectations up to that point. So this close, Awakening the Zodiac, this close, but just not quite. Yeah, nearly there. I mean, just nearly there. So close. So close. All right, let's wrap this up. Okay, so we've got a movie that I think the two of us enjoyed while watching and also being pleasantly surprised up until the end. Uh, I would still recommend it. Take it as a horror movie. Don't compare it to the real life events. And I think you'll enjoy it with the caveat of the ending being a bit schlocky. So what do you think, Chelsea? Yeah, and I think as someone who knows a lot about the real life events, I could definitely appreciate it. I think that knowing a lot did not make me like the movie any less. It was just the ending that really fizzled out. You know, it was fun. Drink some wine while you watch it. Drink some Mark West wine while you watch Shane West. Um, Try to hunt a serial killer. Before we sign off, there are a couple shout outs I wanted to give for this week. So after listening to last week's episode on John Christie, both Haley and Linda on Instagram have clarified that a hiding is not a fun game of hide and seek. It is a beating. So I guess this is uh, this is slang that's used both in Australia and in the UK, but uh, clearly not in the US. So thank you for letting us know. Actually, my parents knew that too. So maybe it's just me that, that doesn't know it. So so thank you. We, we love clarifications. And we also love hearing from listeners. It's really cool to think that there are people in other countries listening to our wee little podcast. So thank you guys very much. We also got an email from Leslie, which was awesome. She contacted us through our website and um, you know, said some nice things about our podcast and also recommended that we check out, I guess Melissa George was on an episode of Celebrity Ghost Stories, which is just an awesome idea for a show. So uh, we, were, uh, we were able to check it out. It's actually on YouTube. It's season three, episode eight. So it was really cool hearing a little background perspective. There were some things that I didn't know. So I didn't know that actually on the very first day of filming, that was the day that Kathy Lutz died. It seemed like that really affected the actress who was playing her. Yeah, there are some things about her story that made me kind of do a little double take. So the idea that that facade that they built on the house looked exactly like um, the DeFeo house, which is I've looked at all the pictures and seen the movies and the house was not identical. <laughs> I think that it is kind of hard because... Because, you know, after doing all the research, kind of knowing the way the Lutzes felt about this new movie, um, how they really didn't appreciate the portrayal because it was so different.
different than what actually happened. But, um, you know, it's good to at least know that even if the movie production company was not respecting the Lutz's wishes, at least one of the actresses had them in her thoughts. So so that was really interesting. I think definitely if you want to spend 10 minutes watching something cool about the movie production, um, check that out. And then finally, we have stickers. <laughs> so if you follow us on Instagram, our podcast is a little bit behind our Instagram, but um, we've been sending stickers out all over, we're sending them to the UK, we're sending them to people in the Philippines, you know, listeners who've been contacting us, we've been sending them stickers for free. So um, probably by the time this podcast is out, we'll have a form on our website to request a sticker. And we're also on July 1st. So this is two, three days before the episode gets out, we're going to start a giveaway. And this giveaway is going to be primarily on Instagram, but you could also enter just through email. So check out our Instagram at based on a true crime and look for our in cold blood giveaway. So repost the image, tag us in it, use hashtag BOATC giveaway and um, share it on your own Instagram for one entry and then for five bonus entries, five whole bonus entries, um, send us a review on um, iTunes or Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you listen to podcasts and take a screenshot and email it to us. And that's for now going to be the only way to enter if you're not on Instagram. So um, if you are on Instagram and you want those bonus entries in addition to your Instagram one in your email, be sure to include your Instagram handle. And we're going to have all those instructions online also. And you mentioned Stitcher. So we're announcing that we're partners with Stitcher now as of this week. So even though you're probably listening to this right now with your podcast app, if you prefer Stitcher, just look for us on there. Search under Based on a True Crime. And we're on Twitter. We don't really do much with it, but at True Crime Based. We're on Facebook, uh, based on a true crime podcast, and that's it. So we really appreciate all the interactions on Instagram, though. That's been it's really been rewarding. It's been awesome. Yeah, it's been great. It just makes me so happy. So yeah, thank Chelsea, you. Chelsea runs that, um, so you're seeing all the... We the... share it, though. You read everything <laughs> people send, right? Yeah, and I'll throw I'll throw in some stuff. Um, if, uh, if anything's a fancy video or graphic, probably David made it. If it's a picture of David that I posted it. <laughs> or a picture of a, a, a different cute boy that's not me. That's Chelsea. Ooh, yeah. Young John Hurt. I think uh, once this episode's out, it'll be the end of Young John Hurt week, though, for now. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> then All it'll right. be Young... Um, never mind. <laughs> Michael Rooker. I'm really excited for Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer, but... That's going to be a big special one. So um, In Cold Blood is going to be our big one. We'll probably have the episode out, you know, after we wrap up the giveaway so that our lucky winner can watch the movie and read the book and maybe give us a little statement to contribute. Yeah. So this has been Awakening the Zodiac and our mini episode. So thanks for listening. We appreciate all your support and we will talk to you guys soon. Yeah. Yours in murder, Mr. Monster. <laughs> Death is but a door. Time is but a window. We'll be back.
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.